It's not always easy to find the positive. You might even need to search for happiness. Sometimes, just a little inspiration can make the difference. Here, it comes from unexpected places. Welcome to the Tangential Inspiration Podcast. Hi, I'm Teresa. And I'm Amy. We are two ordinary moms looking for inspiration wherever we can find it. So, Teresa, what's new in 2022? Can you believe it's 2022? I, I can't either. Um, not a lot is new because it's only January 3rd. Right. But we had a blast last weekend at the beach for huh. New Year's. Was it rainy or was it... It was actually nice, really nice, nice, nice down there. Oh, and not over the past, but the beach was really nice. And I didn't wake up to fireworks at oh, midnight, so that yeah. was a bonus. And yeah. we celebrated East Coast time. Like, oh, that's, I usual. like that. So, yeah. So that was probably the best part. It was nice. fun. Relaxing. Good. Okay, I love the cookbook you gave me for Christmas, Cooking at Home, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying About Recipes and Love My Microwave by David Chang. The only reason Chang. I even knew, you know, yeah. because you had talked about David Chang. Right. In episode 44. Yeah. He's co-authored that with uh, Priya Krishna. She Priya is an Indian-American food journalist, YouTuber. And she's got a... That was in People Magazine, oh, by oh, the way. She, okay. <laughs> but she's she had a book out, Indie-ish, that she wrote with her mom, which is pretty darn cute. I have to say, when I opened it up, because I'm sitting with my family, and they all, my family just all giggled because <laughs> of the word microwave in the title. Oh. And I mean, you know, I don't hide yeah. the fact that I'm not a good cook, or I don't That is cook. Ryan. That's the cooking family. Because the cook family. Yeah. I mean, I'm... My go-to is the Trader Joe's fried rice orange chicken, <laughs> which at first my parents thought, my kids thought, oh, that's fabulous. And now they're like, don't make that again. <laughs> so I'm blessed to have Ryan who yeah. loves to cook. He finds it a way to relax. And it was funny because he grabbed the book too and mm-hmm. wanted to look at it. And then Lucy loved it because of the kind of its the art stuff. Art. It. Yeah. It's really graphically cool. And so everybody, it was a, it was a hit in the whole fam. Well, good. I you knew know? it would be a hit with Ryan. I yeah. thought it would be a hit with you yeah. because you had covered him. So um, I'm glad the rest of the family liked it. Yeah, um, maybe they were hoping that's going to improve my cooking. I don't know. (laughs) But what I love about this book, it is not typical. It's not filled with your typical recipes. Mm -hmm. It's really a practical way of looking at cooking. It focuses like on sensory cues and other like helpful suggestions. And I love how it also draws people together. David like suggests if you're going to make a family recipe, instead of just having someone email it to you, he's like, invite them over. Invite grandma or your aunt mm-hmm. or your whoever over and make the recipe together and then like ask them about the ingredients. Because they always do Why did little, you pick it and yeah, why? You little know, things that little they things. add to it. Exactly. Or don't do or yeah. Right. And those those are the little things he says that makes cooking fun. Mm. And I I was really surprised because you know, it's David's a famous chef, he's an author, TV host, and more. And he yeah, he says he's a bad cook but he can make delicious food and I'm like really puzzled by why he wrote that and you know he said that his cooking was defined by culinary school what's the right and wrong way to cook and oftentimes you don't make things up and this book is really kind of about making things up it's mm-hmm. almost like it reminds me of art like you learn the rules and learn how to break them but he it's interesting he doesn't he didn't cook at home early on in his chef's you know, he, he'd brag about having his refrigerator filled with beer, but now he's, it's changed. Like he's married and mm-hmm. he's got a wife and a baby and his in-laws mm-hmm. are living there. And oh, so he's cooking for everybody, yeah. 
So this cookbook focuses on the principles behind recipes too, like how to make a great soup or a condiment using this framework. He describes it with this analogy, like when you're cooking in a restaurant, you always need to hit the bullseye every time or you fail. Mm. But in this book, it's like as a home cook, you don't have to hit the bullseye. You just got to hit the target. Got to get close. It's just got to get close. It's just got to taste good. Well, they had a recipe for mashed potatoes. That's what had me, how I knew about this cookbook and people. And I so want to do the mashed potatoes before I gave it to you so they can say, yeah, let me take a picture. So far. Yeah. (laughs) I know there's a, there's a corn um, chowder that looked Mm. really good to me. Like a noodle dish, but he covers like safety and some other yeah. other things, but some kind of fun hacks that I read about, like freezing your leftovers. Like I would have never thought, like you need to go out for you know Chinese when you have a ton mm-hmm. of fried rice or something like that. Mm-hmm. You, that you can freeze. I wouldn't even have thought mm-hmm. of that. Or your vegetables. Like we often think of freezing our fruits, mm-hmm. but freezing some vegetables, they're going to turn out better than maybe the ones you buy frozen. Yeah. So just some different. Mm-hmm. Different ideas. I mean, being creative with it. And he's got some great salad dressings in there, too, that I was mm. really intrigued by. But I'm just hoping, I mean, it really is inspiring me, you know, a little home person to yeah. try something <laughs> new. So thank you. Yes, I'm excited that you guys liked it. Good. Yeah. So I found inspiration from Ryan's side of the bed before in episode 33, where I talked about that book. Humor, Seriously, Why Humor is a Secret Weapon in Business and Life by Jennifer Aker and Naomi mm-hmm. Bagdonis. Yeah. You know, it's a great book about le- using levity in the workplace. I have to say yeah. that today when you talked about your husband as you were <laughs> driving by a retirement facility and commenting that he said that the folks in the home must be really excited seeing the kids playing in the snow. That just made my heart so Aww. happy. That your guy is so it kind sensitive. Of shocked and me, yeah. Sweet that he noticed that and then pointed it out. So, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that he has great books next to us. <laughs> by sight. So this I this book I found another one. It's Let Love Rule. It's a memoir by Lenny Kravitz. Mm. Which I love the title because that's his debut mm-hmm. album that was released in 1989. I had a huge crush on him. I know. Who, who did? <laughs> I mean, come on. I like the title because truly it's the theme of this whole book. It's about love, and which we do, totally need more of, yeah. I feel like, in yeah. this world. And it, so it's just like really warmed my heart. Lenny's life has been filled with lessons that, that reminded him of the importance of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and more. He writes about his parents, how they met and fell in love in New York. His b- mother is Roxy Roker. Yes, she is the cousin to, a distant cousin to Al Roker. Oh, wow. Show. <laughs> and she's of um, Bahamian descent. So um, her family her came from bah- the Bahamas. Mm-hmm. Um, she graduated from Howard University. She worked at NBC and then on the side was doing off-Broadway shows. Um, Lenny's father, Cy Kravitz, also worked at NBC. And his parents were Jewish. And it's really kind of sad because his Lenny's grandparents, his parents were kind of heartbroken um, that he married a black woman. But, you know, it's 1963. Oh. So, I mean, I guess people, you know, we had that. I mean, it's just hard to understand. But what? That's not that long ago. It really, really isn't. Just, I'm glad we've come we've a come, long ways in that time, but that that ever was a thing is just mind-boggling. Well, what I love, um, Lenny writes that um, without doing anything except existing, he said, I bring peace to my family because Lenny's birth and then his mother's never-ending love brought the Roker and Kravitz families together. Mm. You know, as as Lenny says, he is deeply two-sided. He's both black and white, Jewish and Christian, 
a Manhattanite and a Brooklynite. So his, his life is filled with all these opposites and extremes, yet there is balance like a yin and a yang. As a young kid, he spent the weekdays in Brooklyn with his mom's parents, Albert and Bessie Roker. And then Friday afternoons, his parents would pick him up from nursery school and take him back to their apartment in Manhattan for the weekends. So it's really sweet. His mom taught him this really cute song, so he'd always know who he was and where he was. The song went, um, Leonard Albert Kravitz is my name. I live at 368 Throop Avenue with Grandma in Brooklyn. I just, it's so cute. He noted in the book that it has kind of a deeper meaning to it. It really reflects the two-sided nature of his childhood. His grandparents showered him with love. Uh, Grandpa Roker was loving. He was self-taught. He knew the Bible. He could quote Shakespeare and Socrates, Malcolm X. He would take Lenny to Lincoln Center on Sundays to hear sermons by Dr. Irvin uh, Celia at the non-denominational Church of Truth. He disciplined Lenny with love and patience. And then Grandma Roker, you know, she'd have him every night cuddling in bed watching I Love Lucy. I had to tell that. that. The Honeymooners, which I never saw that show, but I did see Lawrence Welk was the other one. Now, wasn't Fred Flintstone based on The Honeymooners? Oh, maybe. I don't, I don't, I'm not familiar. I should probably watch that. It's funny that in Brooklyn, he was known as Eddie, and then Manhattan, he was known as Lenny. Uh, Hmm. Yeah. In Manhattan, he lived in a very small one-bedroom apartment. His parents gave him the room, and they slept on a pull-out sofa, which made him feel special. They wanted to give him that space because they'd have late-night parties, and they didn't want to interfere with his sleep. Even at this young age, though, Lenny had this tension with his dad. His dad kind of had a short temper where his mom was really patient and loving, really like her dad, um, Grandpa Roker. She just would use like the, she had a good way of relating to him. She'd use a soft voice to get him to share about his feelings. She would do this thing where she, you know, she's an actress. She'd go abracadabra and she became this like rough, rough. (laughs) And she would listen to him, you know, kind of in this dog persona character. I did that too, but it was Alma. That was like my, no, it wasn't. (laughs) That was when mom was mad. She would turn into Alma. Oh, you better listen. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I didn't do that. I had a blue bear that I would talk for the kids, but blue bear oh was not. He just kind of had his own little storyline, just something to. I so I like this rough rough. I think that's better than really, Alma. Really cute. But even though he had a strained relationship with his dad, his dad took him to see the Jackson Five at Madison Square Gardens at age six, which he said was a surreal moment that he wrote the Goosebumps at six, you know. And later, he's at school, and he's writing Lenny Jackson on a piece of paper, daydreaming he's going to be the sixth member of the Jackson 5. You know, his parents really exposed him to all styles of music. Um, That same year, he went to the Rainbow Room and saw Duke Ellington. I mean, wow. He looks back now and realizes that his dad wasn't good at directly showing affection, but instead, he showed it through these awesome musical experiences. His love language. His love language. At seven, he bought uh, Lenny his first guitar, a a Yamaha acoustic with a little amp, which I think that's so cute. (laughs) Um, And it's like sweet. He talks about writing this song, like, I love you, baby. You know, he's like seven with a little friend. (laughs) I just so (laughs) flipping cute. So he grew growing up split between Manhattan and Brooklyn, but also a strong connection to the Bahamas through the Roker family. Mm -hmm. And I love reading that some of these trips included both sets of grandparents. So it's the Rokers, the Kravitz. You know, Roxy was the bridge. She 
even encouraged her husband, who his previous marriage, he had kind of become distanced from his um, daughters. We need to make some bumper stickers like "Be Roxy." Be Roxy, Be, yeah. yeah. She more Roxies to bridge. She, she got him to reconnect, and they would even go on these trips mm-hmm. to the That's Bahamas. Awesome. So, but I think that was a great place for Lenny and his dad because it was a laid back environment and kind of they could kind of reconnect. But it was really interesting. Not only did Lenny have these two sets of loving parents, you know, uh, grandparents and his parents, of course, he had six godmothers. These godmothers were strong, beautiful, and positive. Neutral- I wonder, if, is that because he was both Jewish and? Um, well, these are all, these godmothers are all kind of handpicked by Roxy. Mm, okay. um, so first one is Cicely Tyson. She's an icon. Oh, wow. Later, he said that he, you know, he always looked up to his god godmother Cicely. It wasn't until later when he saw the autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman that he just realized her profound genius. In the book, it also talks about a time where he's recording outside years later. You know, I think mm-hmm. it might have even been for Let Love Rule, and she hears him in the streets and comes out to him. I knew that was oh. my my you know godson. So I just I love I that love that that yeah, relationship. The second um, was Aunt Chenille Perry, who attended Howard with his mom and also studied theater together with her in Copenhagen. She's a prominent director, writer, and actor. Wow. The third is Toni Morrison. Ooh, no, I know she went to Howard University. Yeah, she's, yeah, I went to college with Roxy and um, Chenille. And fourth was Diane Carroll, which is another heavy Mm -hmm. hitter. She went, she was the first. Black woman to win a Tony for Best Actress. So, and the fifth was Joan Hamilton. Dumb question, but yeah. Tonys are those the ones for Broadway shows? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm so out of the loop that I wasn't sure. And then the fifth was Joan Hamilton, which is just one of her oldest, dearest friends from childhood. The sixth was jo- Joy Homer, um, just a Hollywood starlet. But I just love reading that he said their black feminine energy is one of mm-hmm. the reasons that kind of held him held his sanity together through the crazy times. So he had that. I he love had that. this. He had that village sure. of yeah. family and these wonderful mentors. Strong. Yeah. Capable that, women. That he would go to and talk about things with. Music and art were huge driving force in his life. His parents um, took him to see Earth, Wind, and Fire and James Brown. Plus, you know, their apartment was right across from the Met- Metropolitan Museum. So it's a mm. wonderful location. Mm-hmm. He would ride his bike around the grounds. <laughs> <laughs> he took painting and sculpture classes there. He visited King Tut. Did you see that exhibit? I didn't. I, I remember waiting in line. I think we even did like a little study at our church on... King Tut. I remember. Mm. But anyways, he talks about taking notes and seeing the exhibit, which I thought was pretty cute. At 10, Lenny's mom, Roxy, got the big break. She was offered the role on the new show, The Jeffersons, at the time where she played Helen Willis. I had no idea that Lenny Kravitz's mom was Mrs. Jefferson. She No, she well, she's Helen Willis, the neighbor. She's the neighbor. Oh, oh okay. So okay. she. So what's significant is she. It was the first interracial couple on TV. Okay. Which is interesting because it kind of mir- mirrored her own mm-hmm. life. So the family went to Santa Monica, California. At first, it was just Roxy and Lenny, and they shared an apartment with Aunt Joan, um, one of the godmothers, but uh, and her husband and daughters. I just love this. Roxy wanted to be practical, didn't want to overextend themselves financially, and. You know, just kind of baby stepping in. It was a bit of an adjustment. California is so spread out compared to that kind of hustle mm-hmm. and bustle of New York. But it didn't take long. Well, Lenny adjusted. He got into skateboarding. 
Which is, <laughs> he was, it was a great way to get around. And the first season of the Jeffersons was a hit. I mean, it ran for 11 seasons. As you probably know, the storyline, the Jeffersons move on up to Manhattan. Well, kind of the same for the Kravitz family, too. They ended up buying a modern three-bedroom home, with which felt huge, living, mm-hmm, living in an apartment. Been, yeah. Yeah. And this uh, big pool in the backyard. And Roxy really got um, Lenny involved in the California Boys Choir. He auditioned, and the director thought he was good enough to be in the training choir. And then he could try out for the concert choir. He had to learn sight reading and this old mm-hmm. Hungarian method um, called Kodali, which uses hand signs to represent musical mm. notes. Plus, the music was in German, Italian, French, and Latin. Wow. I guess the California ensemble is best in the world after the Vienna Boys Choir. Mm. So it is pretty top notch top notch sure, yeah. Eventually, he made the concert choir. So that was just an awesome opportunity and great training. Roxy was just a constant supporter and really encouraged his music. She arranged for him to go to Beverly Hills High School, which they weren't really, that wasn't their school to go to. She, you know, made some arrangements for him to go because they had a really awesome music department. Uh, It's funny, I read that Lenny was the drummer for the school's musical Oklahoma, (laughs) and Nicolas Cage was the leading man role. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that funny? I mean, so... But throughout high school, Lenny tried to find himself, like, in his style of music, experimented with clothing, and trying just to just to find himself. Like, he was really drawn to the frilly shirts and tight tights and boots. Kind of a bit of an, it sounded like a bit of a Prince influence. Mm-hmm. Uh, he even had a little stint uh, DJing for a while. So he's kind of just trying to explore and find himself. Find himself. But then, you know, he always had that friction with his dad. And one day, they just, it, they just... Went, you know, had a big fight, and it was kind of the end of him living with his parents, and he moved mm. out at 16. So young. So young, and I think his and mom. That must have killed Roxy. Yeah, she was heartbroken, and he'd crash in front of sofas. I think he'd just kind of go back and see his mom when he, when his dad wasn't there, and then he's just trying to find what, what his pers- persona is going to be. You know, he was kind of looking at the glam of the early 80s, like Bowie and Prince, Madonna. He came up with this name, Romeo Blue. He even went to an ophthalmologist to get blue contacts. Oh, my gosh. The interesting thing is this ophthalmologist, they end up having this conversation about God or something, and he shared the gospel with with Lenny. And Lenny went to, like, a Bible study for a while. And I love in the book, He, I love this quote. He said, you know, I went to the ophthalmologist for vanity, and ironically, it led me to this renewal of spiritual life, which, I don't know, I just love that. Very cool. Yeah, I just thought that was really neat. You wouldn't guess that from Lenny Kravitz. Yeah. Um, so, so he had a lot of, a lot of rough times. I mean, he's living outside, living in a Pinto. You remember those Pintos, those hatchbacks from the seventies? That's who he's living out of at times, you know, you know, (laughs) and juggling three jobs. Like he was doing, working like this fish cook Mm -hmm. and this other thing. I mean, um, he kind of created this little band called Wave. Um, they performed at the high school. His parents showed up for the performance. And I guess, um, up until then, he'd always kind of been in the background, you know, playing the instrument. But this, I think this was way maybe where you kind of figured out, yeah, I could, I can do this because he um, falls to his knees and kind of reaches out and scream. And the girls are screaming in the audience. I mean, I would have just loved to have been there. Yeah, you know? yes. But his mom was impressed. But his dad says, there's only one person with talent up there and that's you. And I mean, it's a, it's a compliment, but it's kind of, you know, I think Lenny didn't know how to respond to that, you know. No. 
so they finish high school, which I think is pretty awesome considering the, all the obstacles. And then it's pretty crazy. Um, he turned down a deal with Miles Copeland, which is the brother of police drummer Stuart Copeland, who ran IRS records. You'd think he just would be itching to yeah. You think that's any a no, offer, any offer, no brainer, you know. But he just he felt like it wasn't right. I just admire his spirit and his following his heart. Um, and then a few years later, another one, John McClain with A&M Record, they wanted to create this, like, black kind of Duran Duran boy band. Mm. And, uh, again, he's like, it just didn't feel right, and he didn't do it. You know, he was going to set up this great deal and make lots of money. So it took him a while. It really took him finding and meeting Lisa Bonet, was on uh, mm-hmm. Denise Huxtable on The Cosby Show. He, he writes, there was nothing fake about Lisa and that relationship and soul, you know, and his soul searching made him kind of set on being real and being himself, being Lenny Kravitz. And they fell madly in love and married in uh, 1987. And then a year later had Zoe, who's yes, a big famous actress too. But Lisa continued acting and con- really encouraged Lenny's musical career. And finally, he had his break. He connected with his Henry Hirsch. I think he knew him before. He's a record producer and Lenny played and sang all the parts and uh, produced it while Henry did, like, the engineering. But they found this groove, and they they cut the album Let Love Rule in 1989, which is a totally great, I mean, rock kind of soul mix mm-hmm. album. I mean, I, lo- I, I love that. It's, like, still on our playlist. <laughs> I have to listen to that. But I um, even have a cardio ver- version, version of, of that. that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he is just a gifted musician. Oh, absolutely. And has won just so many awards. But, well, I just love reading that throughout writing this book too he was talking about how he's trying to relate to his dad and realizing his dad was just finding you know his best way in life based Mm -hmm. on his upbringing and experiences and that all of a sudden through writing this it's like he all the judgment went away and his love just opened up for his dad which i just love that i love hearing about that i love it people it's sharing. very hopeful, it's hopeful as far as because you make mistakes as parents yeah and, yeah as relationships. relationships all over yeah and of course he plans to write a second book he kind of leaves you there and he talks of that it's going to be hard because he divorces lisa bonet in 1993 i mean it was an amicable divorce they were good they still are good friends they co-parented zoe Lenny's good friends with her new husband, Jason. The uh, stuff that I see mom, about them mom, on Instagram, yeah. he refer- they seem like really good. Like a family. Yeah. yeah. He refers to him as a brother. So, but I, you're going to just love this. He is a minimalist and he's talking, he's living in the Bahamas right now during COVID. So Lenny Kravitz is. Lenny Kravitz. Okay. Yeah. And he wants to sell everything. And he's just like, I, <laughs> and, you know, I just, I love that he's, you know, he can do whatever, you know, yeah. that he's considering that, yeah. that why I don't need this, that there's... Well, I just, I, I was telling you this morning that I was listening to a podcast with decluttering and she oh, said yeah. that very thing that... Someone else. Why not get rid of something if it's going to make somebody else happy if I'm not using it? So, right. yeah, I love that Lenny Kravis has that same, same. Yeah. mentality. And I, I was cool. I also learned that he is involved with a charity, Glow Good Foundation, and with his dentist, uh, Jonathan Levine, since 2015. Mm. They partner with his Let Love Rule Foundation, and they provide free dental and medical clinics uh, to this community of Gregorytown in Eleutheria. It's in the Bahamas. It's mm. an island. Mm-hmm. Each year. Not only do they treat, but they're... Teaching the importance of dental hygiene, oral health education is an important part of the clinic um, in order to prevent disease right. becoming life-threatening. Right. So, 
education's huge. It's and- huge. And I'm, you know, I'm just capturing just this one little bit of his life, but because, like I said, it kind of left me hanging. But I just love reading about that his village, a people. Good reminder that we do need a village. We do, and in raising our kids and growing as people. Right, right, and that you can relationships can get better. You mm-hmm. can have a bad relationship, and maybe it gets better. Um, there is hope for mending. There's hope, and I, 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 I really love that part of it. And not just sound redundant, I just love the theme of love throughout his Me too. Memoir. I can't mean, get enough of that. Yeah. And it, it just is shown as a parent with his parents exposing him to this wide range of music and art and encouraging his uh, music career. I just love that. I mean, that richness too. And his mom, I mean, her relentless love, bringing the family together, um, loving Lenny. She's so patient. And how Especially because it had to have been very painful, for, I mean, moments for Very her. painful for her, but to love him unconditionally, yeah. I think, is a great example. And you can see how that impacted him as a father. So, And it, and it was cool to read about his spirituality and then his foundation, mm-hmm. too. So I, it was it's fun to learn about some things you don't normally yeah. think about somebody. Because like I said, I had a crush on him, but I had yeah. no idea that he was such a great guy. Yeah. Very cool. Love, creativity, and opportunity is in the air. Take it in and do your thing. Lenny Kravitz. Seppi Hall of Litchfield, England, was diagnosed with a chromosomal disorder when he was just one. It was expected that he would never walk, not be able to talk, and have difficulty even sitting up on his own. I just can't imagine how difficult that would be to get a diagnosis like that for your one-year-old kiddo. But fast forward 17 years, and boy, has he proved them wrong. Since March 16th of 2020, so during the pandemic, Sebi has helped over 2,000 people doing good deeds every day. Aww. I know. So we need to, totally we need to get some about, ideas yeah. from this guy. He's raised over $53,000 to help get adaptive technology to help developmentally disabled people to communicate with others. Oh, Yeah. While still suffering some effects of his disorder, like having a difficult time putting together full sentences, Sebi has overcome many obstacles and is making a difference in his community and in the lives of others that are, you know, differently abled kiddos. It all started when the pandemic hit and Sebi learned that a friend of his didn't have a way to keep in contact with other people during quarantine. So Sebi wanted to give his friend his iPad. How sweet is that? I need to dig out the picture and show you so that you could just picture this guy. But his his mom suggested that Sebi find ways to buy his friend his own iPad. So Sebi set out to do 10 good deeds a day for 10 days to raise a thousand pounds, about $1,300, for charity to get his friend an iPad. Which is so stinking sweet. So nice. Such a He created a challenge and got people to promise donations. And they raised the money. He was so happy when he saw his friend's reaction to the iPad that he wanted to continue this on an even bigger scale. So Sebi set up a fundraising program where he does random good deeds for people and people donate to his cause. His goal is to raise money to prevent differently abled or vulnerable children from feeling lonely through technology. Wow, that's, really, that's a cool use of technology. It's very, yes. <laughs> you know, as parents, we're always like, no technology, yeah. but that's awesome. We can get behind this. Yeah. Sebi has done different good deeds since the start of the pandemic. He's given out Easter eggs, taken out trash cans for the elderly. So, uh, you know, things we can think one. about. Yeah. 
filled bird feeders. So every time I go to Mount Zinnia, there's a house that always has bird food scattered on the ground. And I always, I need to just leave them a nice note and say thanks for feeding the wildlife. But he's done yard work, sent postcards of encouragement to others, to other differently abled children, collected unused pumpkins to be used by soup. Does he have an Instagram or no? I don't know. I'm just curious. He must. He must. He collected unused pumpkins to be used by soup kitchens and food banks. He's taken toys to shelters with housing for vulnerable kids. He's delivered food to homeless families on the street, and he's given children teddy bears. So this guy has done a ton. The boy who was not expected to be able to walk has run nine two-mile long runs to hand out roses to people along the way. What's My so goodness. sweet? I know this guy. Uh, seriously, you got to look up his picture. He's just a doll. But what's so sweet is that while he's doing this, he's passing out roses, and the other joggers ended up running with him, cheering Sebion. Oh! In the last seventeen months, he's done over two thousand good deeds and provided money for three hundred families to get talk about the ripple effect. Exactly, helping them <laughs> oh, get Molly, adapted awesome. technology devices to help developmentally different children communicate with others. He's also helped fund a rugby team for the differently abled. He's been recognized for his giving, having been recognized by a number of different groups and even the Prime Minister of England. He was invited by the Duchess of Cambridge to attend the Royal Carol Service at the Westminster Abbey in December, and he's been awarded the World Compassion Award from the Supreme Master Ching He, a Buddhist humanitarian world leader. Oh, my goodness. And deserved. Wow. So this kid is doing amazing things in his community and doing it with such a generous and kind, giving heart. Yeah. He's figured out how to monetize kind acts to do even more good in the world. He's starting his own foundation to help use the funds he raises to reach even more differently abled children. So I just loved that story. And then there's another teen that's making a difference named Nick Priest. Nick Priest remembers sitting on his dad, Joe's lap, holding a controller. Like, um, his dad played video games. And starting off, he'd give him the controller. And he thought he was playing, even though he was just holding the controller. But when Nick was three, his dad was diagnosed with cancer. And through his treatment, Nick and Joe, his father, played a ton of video games. Unfortunately, when Nick was six, his father passed away, and Nick was absolutely, you know, obviously heartbroken. Friends and family members would come and visit and play video games uh, with Nick to keep his mind off of the loss of his dad. Video games, in a way, became a therapy to ease the grief that he was feeling. Right. And it wasn't just the games he was playing with someone else. It helped him just to not feel so alone. Right. Because he was with someone. So Nick expressed to his mom that he wanted to make sure that every kid had someone to play games with. Yeah. This concept was just the moment that helped put into place a volunteer-based game buddy system oh, that I a few that. years I yeah. know. I just think it's very creative yeah. taking some a tragedy right. and trying to tweak it, the system. It kind of reminds me someplace in like Salem or I think it's Salem, they do they're trying to change the the um, the viewpoint of people of kids playing video games mm. alone in their mm-hmm. room, and so this they were offering opening up churches and doing it in the basement of oh. churches, but just as a way of bringing kids together yeah. and doing it in a more group type mm-hmm. setting. So it kind, of, it kind of reminds yeah. me of that. Yeah, I can't remember the name of that. Well, but, so Nick yeah. started going to local children's hospitals to game with children there. He was he was a freshman in high school at the time. He'd bring his game system with extra controllers and he'd sit and game with the sick 
kids or, you know, or injured children there. As they played, they talked. And for a while, they were both just two kids hanging out, playing video games. So for a while, those kids, you know, felt totally had forgotten what they were dealing with just for a, a brief moment. He started to involve more of his friends in this, and he soon had a group of volunteers that would go to the children's hospital and game. He started to call this group the Power of Play. Cute. I like that name. I know. It's very, it's fitting. Yeah. Nick is now a junior at Salcianum High School in Delaware. When COVID struck last year, one-on-one, obviously one-on-one gaming in person was impossible, but he was undeterred. He had a lot of red tape to go through with the hospital, as you can imagine, but he was able to get permission to have patients at the children's hospital use Wi-Fi to do remote gaming. That's awesome. Parents who want their kids to participate in this program fill a questionnaire about the child's interests, and Nick matches the child with a volunteer gamer. So there was one kiddo that, you know, he liked football, and so Nick buddied him up with a kiddo that played varsity football. Yeah. So they try to keep, you know, do as best they can with pairing people that have similar interests. Particularly during COVID, the kids in the hospital are even more isolated than ever. Going through treatment in a hospital is bad enough. COVID precautions make it especially lonely. But Power Play gives these kids that are hospitalized a chance to socialize with other kids and feel normal for a minute or two. That's awesome. You know, I have two kids living at home and one away at college. (laughs) All three of them game together a couple times a week, and it's fun hearing them talk to each other. Yeah. I mean, even when my oldest was in the UK, I did try to game for a bit because... It's a way to do something. Yeah, it's a way to to chat and whatnot. I could not keep... They left me behind in the Star Wars game. But, you know, there's the normal trash talk of gamers. They talk about TV shows, movies, music, school, and they just discuss life. Right. So much more goes on than just gaming. So... I do think we need to open our minds to a little bit more of this. Nick Priest is bringing these online friendships to kids that don't have the luxury of having friends over. They have a good time playing the games, but they also have a chance to talk with another person and just do something that other kids are doing. Right. That's awesome. It's so cool. Nick is fundraising now to get more games, more controllers, systems, to help more kids be able to access gaming consoles from the hospital and has set up a GoFundMe page while he finishes setting up his 501c3 nonprofit organization. So anybody can get more information on how you can help Nick's program at www.nickspowerofplay.com. I just love this idea. and I love that these young people are thinking of others. Right. That's so cool. Very cool. Time for the questions, which I is so fun finding out I know. these little, I don't know, little pieces of information about each other, you know? It's my favorite part, too, actually, I must say. Not me having the questions asked of me, but me getting to know you. So, best part about Christmas. I just loved getting to have people together again. No, I mean, I got to see my parents. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. So it was just nice having everyone healthy. Right. And vaccinated. Yeah. And boostered. People feel safe. <laughs> yeah. 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 Healthy and well enough to get together. That's awesome. Any New Year's resolutions? Of course. Um, I have a list of 22 for Holy 2022. Moly. Good for you. Yeah. I already have accomplished one with okay. getting back on Facebook. Yay. So we need to make a tangential inspiration Facebook page, which okay. that will be on, on my list to do too. So yes. Fun. I love news years. Uh favorite running shoe. I go back and forth. I love Brooks. Yeah. I love Hoka's. So it kind of depends on 
What's the the terrain. Yeah. yeah, what's happening. But those are my two favorites. Single best thing that happened last year. So 2021, I would have to say my new job. Oh. I love working with people, getting to try to work on their wellness and health. So, right. yeah. Awesome. Um, one unexpected joy from last year. It's actually moved into this year, too. My yeah. son's roommates oh, tested yeah. positive. He did not go back down to school yet, obviously, so he's going to study remotely for a little bit longer, so we got him longer for the break. That's nice. Yeah. A little more time with A little unexpected surprise, but we'll take it. Yay. What is done in love is done well. Vincent Bango. Thanks for listening to Tangential Inspiration. We really want to hear from you. Email us your comments or story suggestions at tangentialinspiration at gmail.com or leave a comment on our website, tangentialinspiration.com. Our website has all our podcast episodes, show notes, stories, follow-ups, and links to websites and books we talk about. Like and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, and you can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Have a great week.